Philippians chapter 4, verse 11, the first point I want to share with you is this. Number one, contentment, and this should be an encouragement to all of us. Number one, contentment can be learned. You say, Jay, I'm struggling in being content, man, in, in my situation, in my financial house, uh, with the things that I have. Well, listen, you're not alone. You're amongst friends. We all struggle with that uh, because we're human. And yet, the Apostle Paul is a great example for us because in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 11, the Bible tells us this. Paul writes and he says, not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be what? Content. So, so the apostle Paul says on record that you and I can learn to be content. And God wants us to take us to school and, and help us learn that lesson, right? God wants us to learn this, this issue of contentment. And, and in Philippians 4, Paul says, whatever state I'm in, and he's not talking about Alabama, Georgia, Mississippi, Florida, okay? He's talking about whatever condition his life was in, he had learned to be content. If you look at verse 12, he, he gives you some of the different states that he was in in his life and in his ministry. He says in verse 12, I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. The word abased in your Bible means to be brought low or, or to be humbled or, or to be reduced. And Paul said, I know what it's like to be wanting. I know what it's like to be without some things that I feel like I, I should have or need. I know how to live like that. And yet in that state, I've learned to be content. But he also says that, that I've also, I know how to abound. In other words, you know, when we abound in life, that means we have abundance, right? We, we have exceedingly enough. We have more than enough to spare. And, and in life like that, I mean, in life kind of like that, ups and downs, man, whether it's financial, whether it's time, whether it's energy. I mean, listen, we go through seasons of, of being brought low and, and difficulty, and we go through seasons of surplus, and, and God would have us learn that whatever the season is, whatever the state is, we just need to learn to be content. Isn't it, isn't it when we have so much, man, we never want to go back to not having as much. <laughs> and when we don't have as much, we long for the day that we have surplus. We're never content. We're just never content. And God would have us learn to be content wherever we are. Paul goes on to say in the same verse, he says, Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be what? Hungry. And listen, Paul, the pendulum swung both ways in Paul's life. I mean, to be full means to be satisfied, fed to the full. I mean, I mean you got the coffee, you got the donuts, you're going to eat lunch in just a few minutes. I mean, you know what it means to be full. And yet Paul said, you know what, there's times when I've been hungry. I've suffered want. I'm famished. We would say it like this, I'm hangry. <laughs> I'm hungry and it's making me mad, right? <laughs> I'm hangry. Paul knew how to be content in both situations. And then he says, I, both to abound and to suffer need. And, and here the, here's the point. Look, Paul learned whatsoever state he was in to just be content. And so, and so here's a couple of principles that we can learn from the Bible. Contentment for us literally means what I have is sufficient. What I have right now today, my financial status, my biblical knowledge, my relationship status, my car, whatever I have right now, it's sufficient. 
And listen, there are times when God certainly allows difficulty in our life, whether it's hunger, whether it's suffering, whether it's abasement. It's not because God doesn't love us, right? God, God learns us many times through those difficult times to be content in Him. And we're going to get there in verse 13 in just a second. And so whatever state I'm in should be sufficient. I mean, there's nothing wrong with wanting to do better and trying to do better, but, but don't let it be so much so that it drives you to put your faith and trust in possessions or money instead of Christ. And that's the point. So, so the difference between, or the opposite, if you will, the opposite of contentment is this thing called covetousness. And if you'll, if you'll look at the screen, look, covetousness says what I have in my life is insufficient. What God has allowed to come into my life, what, what God has blessed me with or not blessed me with, what God has not entrusted me to is not sufficient and I need more. And I want you to take your Bible and, and, well, I'll tell you what, for time's sake, just look on the screen. Luke chapter 12, you know, there's a, there's a great story in Luke chapter 12. Jesus tells this story in, in verses 13 to 21. I'm going to read it very quickly. The Bible says, and one of the company said to him, Master, speak to my brother that he divide the inheritance with me. And he said to him, man, who made me a judge or a divider over you? And he said unto them, take heed and beware of beware of covetousness, for a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of things which he possesseth. That's a great, church, a great word for the 21st century church in America. A man's life doesn't consist in what you have or don't have. Okay? And he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully, and he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do because I have no room to bestow my fruits? In other words, this guy planted a harvest or planted a field, had a tremendous harvest so much that he was like, What am I going to do with all this stuff? Verse 18, he said, This will I do. I will pull down my barns, I will build greater, and I will bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, thou hast much good. You know, you're in trouble when you start talking to yourself, okay? That, some of you do that. I'm just telling you, be careful. Okay, so this guy did that. Soul, thou hast much good laid up for how many years? Many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, thou what? Thou fool. This night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall those things be which thou hast provided? And here's the key, verse 21. So is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward, toward God. You see, covetousness directs our love instead of to God. Covetousness directs our love to ourself, right? Look at this man. I mean, he's more worried about himself than he is anybody else. My goods, my barns, my need, my fruit. The second thing is that, is that God, God gave him those goods. God blessed his his harvest, but God always blesses us to be a blessing to other people. Did you know that? God didn't bless you just to consume it on your own lust. God, bless us. God blesses us to bless other people. And, and listen, he says, look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep everything that God's blessed me with for myself. In other words, covetousness ignores our responsibility to other people. You know, if you're, covetousness, if you're covetous, you're not going to support global missions. You're going to take what God's blessed you with and, and hold it and hoard it for yourself. Uh, you're not going to see the opportunities that God has for you to minister to other people. 
Thirdly, covetousness ignores God. I mean, it means that we're not rich toward God. And, and listen, if you go back to Philippians 4, understand that the context of one of the most famous verses in the Bible, because you already know this verse, verse 13, I can do all things through who? Christ, which strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. Listen, the context of that verse in your Bible is in the context of contentment. Being content with what God's done in your life. That's why you can do all things through Christ, because you are content with Him. He is sufficient for you. He is the one that strengthens you. He is the one that blesses you. And listen, in difficulty, He is the one that sustains you. How'd you miss that this whole time? How'd you miss that? It's about Him. And so listen, contentment in our heart and life can be learned. But listen, you got to go to school for that. You got to show up to class. You got to pass the test. God wants you to pass the test, okay? Uh, go to 1 Timothy chapter 6. The, the rest of our verses will be out of 1 Timothy chapter 6. You know, contentment can be learned in our life. And, and as we talk about dollars and cents, man, we're always about more dollars and, and we need to use more cents, quite honestly. Uh, what we have is sufficient and enough to do what God's called us to do. 1 Timothy chapter 6, say amen if you're there. Look at verse 6. The Bible says, but godliness with contentment is what? Is great gain. First, 1 Timothy 6 and verse 6. But godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into this world. And it is certain we can carry nothing out. There's just some things in life that are certain. This is one of them. They always used to say death and taxes are certain, right? Well, the other things that are certain is that you're not going to take anything out of this life that you got while you were here. And having food and raiment, let us therewith be content. Okay, so here's the second point for study this morning is, look, contentment focuses our eyes on eternity. That's the point. When we learn to be content, we're more focused on eternal things than we are temporal things. God's Word tells us that godliness with contentment is great gain. You thought your bank account swelling up was great gain. No, godliness with contentment is what's great gain in God's eyes. I mean, God's goal for our life is godliness, and the blank is, with contentment. That's God's goal for your life, church, and that's God's goal for my life. It, it's godliness with contentment. Godliness just means being like God, being holy. 1 Peter 1 verse 16 says, because it is written, be holy for I am holy. So God wants us to have a, a desire to be godly, but he also wants us to be content. In other words, we want to have sufficiency in him where we don't need anything else. Are you guys feeling me this morning? Or you just need some more coffee? I don't know. Man, listen, I'm worried. I'm worried about you. Because contentment means that we're focused on eternal things, not temporal things. God's Word tells us very clearly, man, it is certain we're not going to carry anything out of there. How many of you were present when your children were born? Okay, yeah. I mean, all the, all the women should raise their hand. That was a trick question. <laughs> now, some of you men, you, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to get you in trouble, but <laughs> all the ladies should have this one. If ever there were an easy question for you to answer, that would be it. Okay, listen, when your children were born, it's obvious, man, 
They didn't have anything when they came out. They're, here they are. Here they are. And listen, when you breathe your last breath on this life, it is assured from the authority of God's word, you ain't carrying anything out of here. Even if you do pack up that U-Haul and, and bring it to your funeral and make sure the preacher announces to everybody everything that you had in this life, friend, you are gone. And they can even bury you in that 57 Chevy in the ground, but you're still gone, friend. <laughs> Sadly, I have. <laughs> Man, listen, we, we, we get so focused on the, the temporal things of life, and yet God says we need to lay up treasures in heaven, the eternal treasures that, that go before us. And, and listen, friends, we're all going to die. Outside of the rapture, we're all going to die. And so we have to be prepared for that certainty in our life. And, and the way you prepare for that certainty is know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, right? You're saved from your sin so that when you enter into eternal life, you, you enter to an eternity with him forever. And so, and so we can do that. Matthew 6, don't turn there, but listen, the Bible tells us in Matthew 6, Jesus says in, in verse 19, lay not up for yourselves treasures upon the earth where moth and rust doth corrupt right? Where thieves break through and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And, and so listen, on this issue of contentment, you are either investing in two of, and only two places. You're either investing in things on this earth or you invest in your, in your life and your resources and things for heaven, and listen, the question is, which one are you living for? If, if you're content, you're investing in heavenly things, man. And listen, if you, don't, if you would say this morning, Jay, I'm not really sure which one I'm investing in. If I'm investing in temporal things or eternal things, let me, let me just tell you, look at your bank statement. Because the Bible says where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And, and I've said this for years. My pastor said it for years. If you want to get a heart for missions, start giving to missions. Start giving to missions. All of a sudden, you'll get really interested in these Mission Minute updates because those are people that you support. They're, they're, they're people that you pray for. They're people that you financially invest in. Wherever your treasure is, that's where your heart already is. And if you want to move your heart, well, you need to move your finances. And I trust, trust me, your heart will follow wherever those finances are invested. And so listen, contentment focuses us on eternal things, not temporal things. Number three is this. Look, contentment focuses our eyes on the mission. When we learn to be content with where we are, we will start looking toward eternal things and we will be focused on God's mission. Look at verse 8, 1 Timothy 6 and verse 8. And having food and raiment, let us, therewith, let us be therewith content. I'm looking across the room. Everybody has clothes on this morning. Hallelujah. <laughs> we have a great object lesson if you walked in, not clothes. But now that you are, God says, be content with whatever you have. How many of you had this conversation with your spouse? I'm about to get in trouble by making this comment. Hey, what do you want to eat tonight? I don't care. What do you want to eat tonight? Nah, I don't know. I don't know. How about some Mexican? Nah, I don't want that. <laughs> How about barbecue? Forget it, man. No way. We had that last week. How many of you stare at a, a closet full of clothes and make the statement, 
or hear your spouse make the statement, I know I'm treading on thin water right here, thin ice right here. How many, how many of you make the statement, I just don't have anything to wear today? And there's like a closet full. I mean, it, it's so full that it's like blowing up into your bedroom. You know what I'm saying? It's like it's not even in the closet anymore. The shoes are creeping out of the closet into like a little river into your bedroom. I don't have anything to wear today. Okay. Okay, we have, don't we have plenty, church? I mean, we can laugh, but don't we have plenty? We, we have sufficiency. Look, we have food, we have raiment. God says, hey, with those things, let's just be content. Let's just be content with what we have. And actually, let's be focused on the mission. Man, we focus more time and energy on food and raiment many times than we do God's great commission. Come on, church. Matthew 6, verse 24. Look, the Bible says, No man can serve two masters, for he will either hate the one and love the other, or else he'll hold the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. In other words, you can't serve God and money. You have to pick your master. Therefore, I say to you, take no thought for your life what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, neither yet for your body what ye shall put on. Is not life more than meat and the body more than raiment? And the answer to that is yes. Life is more than where we eat tonight and what we're wearing. Life is much more than that. It's much more than that. And so God gives us the assurance in verse 26, Matthew 6 and verse 26, behold the fowls of the air, they don't sow, the birds of the air, they don't, they don't sow, they don't reap, they don't gather the fruit into the barns, and your heavenly Father feeds them. And the point is, God can feed the bird of the air, God can feed you. And then he gives the illustration of the lily of the field, the flower of the field. He says, consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they toil not, they don't work, they don't spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. In other words, God clothes the lily and it's beautiful and it doesn't even labor for that. God does that. God provides for our, our physical nourishment needs. God provides for our raiment that, he need, that we need. And he, he says, man, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which is today and tomorrow is cast in the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye little faith? Therefore, here it is, take no thought saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or wherewith shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. And you, no offense, a bunch of Gentiles that got saved, so now you're part of the church. But that's just what we, we pursue after. We pursue after food. We pursue after clothing, possessions. And God's word tells us that our Heavenly Father knows what we have need of those things. Here's the kicker, verse 33. I know you're not there, so just listen. Jesus says, seek ye first the kingdom of God. And his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. In other words, when we are content with what we have, we should focus on the mission. And as we focus on the mission, God knows what we have need of while we're doing the mission. And he supplies our very need. So God knows if you, if you need extra raiment. If you need more food, we just studied the life of Elijah. You guys remember that? And Elijah needed sustenance and strength, and God gave it to him. He fed him with the ravens. Do you remember that? And God fed him with the Shunammite woman. God knows what you have need of when you need it. 
If you'll focus on the mission, God will bless you with what you need when you need it. So contentment says this. This is in your notes. Look, contentment realizes that God is the provider of my life. Amen? I I know you thought your job was the provider. I know you thought your strength, your ability, your wisdom, your college degree, your intellect was your provider. No, God is your provider. And when you are content with what you have, you realize that God has blessed me and given me what I have. But God also has given me a God-given purpose for my life. It is the kingdom of God. And that's what we should be seeking, church. We should be seeking God's kingdom. We should be seeking the Great Commission, reaching the world with the gospel. And as we do that, God provides our need in the midst of the mission. Okay, so the other side of the coin is this. Look, covetousness, where we don't want to live, covetousness elevates me as the provider of my wants and needs. And it's motivated by lust. In other words... What I, don't ha- what I don't have, I got to get, and come heck or high water, I'm going to go get it. So I'll work 80 hours a week. I'll take it on an extra job. I'll sacrifice my ministry, my church, my marriage on the altar of labor to get what I need, what I think I need, because I want it. Friends, that's covetousness. That's lusts. Uh, that's, that's not the mission. I would rather be focused on the mission and, and God's provision in my life be real than not focused on the mission and my covetousness destroy my life, destroy my marriage, destroy my, my family. The call to commit contentment has its roots in the mission. <laughs> That's the whole point. That's why Paul could say in Philippians 4, whatever state I'm in, I'm content because I'm doing what God's called me to do. I'm reaching people with the gospel. Okay, and so, and so the first, fourth point is this, look, contentment really is the cure for covetousness. And that goes in your blank. Contentment is the cure for covetousness. Go go back to 1 Timothy, or maybe you're still there. Look at verse 9. It's on the screen. Contentment is the cure for covetousness. Look at verse 9. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare. Now let me just tell you something real quick. You live in America, you're already rich. If you don't believe that, in June or July, get on a plane, come to Zambia, Africa with me, some of our people, and you'll realize real quick how rich you really are. You're already rich. But, but, but Paul writes to Timothy, and he, warns, he tells Timothy to warn those that, that will be rich. In other words, their focus is on material gain, wealth, personal gain. They that will be rich, they're not rich, but, but they're striving to get rich, Right? They that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, listen, which drown men in destruction and perdition. Here it is, verse 10. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some have coveted after, they have erred from the faith and they've pierced themselves through with many sorrows. So, you can either be covetous or you can be content. God's word says that if you covet after things that God hadn't blessed you with, well, it, it actually leads to some pretty nasty things. Uh, it, it says that you're going to fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lust. Proverbs 23 and verse 4 says, Labor not to be rich. Cease from thine own wisdom. 
You know, the American dream is, man, the, the, go get it and get it all, man. Get all that you can, put it in your can, and then sit on your can, right, while you're getting more. I mean, that's the American dream. The Bible says, labor not to be rich, cease from thine own wisdom. In, in your mind, it may make sense to pursue that, but in God's mind, it doesn't. He owns it all. I mean, it doesn't matter. They fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts. And listen, how many times have we seen people that, that, that literally destroy their life in pursuit of some kind of financial status, financial position, a certain size house, a certain, a certain status on their job? Listen, I'm not saying you go to work and be a bum. You should go to work and represent Jesus and, and do the best job that you can like you're working for the Lord Jesus Christ himself because the Bible tells you to do that. But listen, when you strive and are covetousness to get a certain level, a certain amount, a certain status, and you're setting yourself up for a snare and hurtful and foolish lusts in your life. How many people have destroyed their life pursuing those things? The Bible says that those men drown in destruction and perdition. All pursuing the American dream. Love of money is the root of all evil. You know, money itself is amoral, right? Money has no conscience. A $20 bill can be used to buy drugs or it can be used to support a missionary. Money itself is amoral. The issue is our heart. And, and many times we have a covetous heart. Even religious people. Luke 16 and verse 14, when Jesus spoke to the Pharisees, the Bible says the Pharisees also who were covetousness heard all these things, and they derided him. They rebelled against what the Lord was saying. Judas was covetous. You know, when, when Mary came in and anointed Jesus' feet with spikenard, this oil, it was Judas that said, man, why didn't we sell this for 300 pence and give it to the poor? He said that because he was a thief. Not because he was content, because he was a thief. Second Timothy chapter 3 and verse 2, the Bible tells us that in the last days, men are going to be lovers of their own selves, covetous boasters, proud, blasphemers, listen to this, disobedient to parents in the last days, the Bible says, unthankful, oh, and by the way, unholy. So covetousness is a sign of the last days. And, and you know, covetousness, as it says in the, in the text, man, it's the opposite of contentment. It will cause us to err from the faith. In other words, and be in error. We will walk away from the truths of God's word pursuing the love of money. It'll cause self-inflicted wounds. The Bible says it's a heart issue in our heart and life. And we've got to deal with it. I think we all have a bent toward covetousness because it's our flesh, right? It's our sin nature. So how do we get victory in our life? And, and I'm glad you stayed till the end because here's the steps to victory. <laughs> First Timothy chapter 6. There's three steps I, I think that we get out of this text uh, that God gives us to kind of help us walk through this area of covetousness in our life and, and to learn to be content. Verse 11 says this, But thou, man of God, flee these things. So number one, the first, the first thing we've got to do is make a commitment to flee from some things. We have to learn to flee from some things. That means to, to leave, to escape, to, to seek safety by flight, to hasten and depart from. Flee covetousness and be content with what God has blessed us with and pursue godliness. And, and that word flee is used all through the New Testament. The Bible tells us to flee fornication, flee from idolatry, flee from youthful lusts. 
Here's the thing, in our heart and life, contentment can only come if we're fleeing the things that tempt us, entice us, and entangle us. So whatever is feeding that into your heart and life, you got to learn to turn it off. you got to learn to turn it off. And sometimes that's a person in your life, sometimes it, it, it's your job, sometimes it's just the message of this world. you got to learn to flee Flee this thing of covetousness. Flee it. Escape it. Realize what it is and run from it. The second thing that God wants us to do is make a commitment to follow some things. And and if you look at the same verse, verse 11, uh, the Bible says, and, okay, so so God's not done. (laughs) He says, oh oh man of God, flee these things. Okay, step one is we got to flee some things. Number two, step two is we have to follow after some things. And here are the things that are more important than your job and your money and your bank account come tomorrow morning. Follow after righteousness. You okay with that? Follow after godliness. Follow after faith. Follow after love. Follow after patience. Follow after meekness. I mean, listen, there is a path to godliness, and those are the road signs. And if you will follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and meekness, listen, you will look more like Christ and less like you. And we all need to look more like Christ and less like us. Amen? And I'm not talking about on the outside. I'm talking about on the inside, in our heart. Man, if we were all full of righteousness and, 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 and godliness and meekness, man, listen, people would see us and, and, and we would have such an appeal because that's who Christ is. We have to follow those things. So listen, you can't spend 40, 50 hours a week laboring for the man and not spend a little bit of time following after these things. You can actually follow these things while you're doing your job. Okay, I appreciate Walt this morning teaching in Sunday school. I mean, he had a great message on just, you know, uh, some of our sins and how our sin plays out in our relationships and Man, we ought, we ought to be the same person at work that we are in church. You know, nobody likes a hypocrite. And we ought to handle our business at work the same way we handle it here. And, and we ought to be an example of the believer no matter where we are, when, whenever, any time of the day. And I'm preaching to myself because, you know, before 11 a.m. and a pot of coffee, it's hard to be a Christian, I'll be honest. You know, I'm just confessing my sin. So thank you, brother, for your message this morning. <laughs> not coming to your Sunday school class ever again. (laughs) God's called us to follow some things. And and you know what? You may say, well, Jay, I've got the first point down, man. I'm not really concerned with material wealth, possessions, gain, things like that. The the, the question I would have for you is then what are you following? Because if you're you're not following, you're standing still. You're not moving, right? You're You're not making any progress. You have to relentlessly Follow these things so that you can become more like Christ. And then lastly is this, verse 12. Paul says, fight the good fight of faith. Okay, so the last thing we got to do is make a commitment to fight. You will constantly fight in your life this issue of contentment versus covetousness till you die. You're welcome. (laughs) So just get ready to fight. And and, and listen, man, when when your flesh wells up and is not satisfied with with where you are and, and who you are and what you have... When your flesh says, this just isn't good enough, I want more, 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 and I'm going to work as hard as I can to get it, 
you got to fight the fight of faith that says, you know what, I'm content in Christ and I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. you got to come back to Philippians 4 and verse 13. God tells us to fight the fight. Lay hold on eternal life whereunto you're called and has professed a good profession before many witnesses. Listen, having the right attitude about contentment doesn't remove you from the battlefield. (laughs) It only frees you to fight. Uh, It's going to be a fight for all of us. And so fight the good fight of faith. And and listen, fight for the Great Commission because that's what we're, we're called to do. And so ask yourself the question, am I in the fight? Am I pursuing the Great Commission? Am I, am I pursuing the kingdom of God and his righteousness? Am I pursuing the souls of men? And I'm, am I pursuing the word of God? Are you in the fight? You say, man, you better believe it. Would the person next to you agree with that? Would the person next to you agree with that statement? Would your coworkers agree with that statement? Would your family agree with that statement? Would your pastor agree with that statement? Are you in the fight or not? And, and listen, God wants us to learn contentment so that we can be focused on that mission and until jesus comes that's what we're to be about church amen we just uh we, we just had a uh, opportunity i'll share about the opportunity in a second but anyways uh we had a big dumpster many of you probably saw that big yellow dumpster when we when you came in the parking lot today uh slowly filling itself up because i didn't do any of that but you know somebody did we're cleaning out some stuff out of our middle building and uh and it's time, and it's just time to, to get rid of some junk. And uh, as I'm cleaning out that middle building, I'm thinking, man, my garage looks a lot like this. It just keeps getting more and more and more. Kind of like my wife's shoe collection. More. Uh, I, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I know. I know, man. We have to shove those things in there. We have to shove those things in there. And I just, you know, you know there's, a, there's a struggle in me. To, to get rid of anything, because in my mind, I'm thinking, well, this could be used for this, and this for this, and you, and you think, man, all these different things, and the reality is, man, we got everything we need to do what we we're called to do. We don't need all this junk. I need to clean out my garage, so you may see some of my stuff in that dumpster. That's my point, all right? Let's, uh, let's consider these things, and, uh, and let's pray, and we're, we're at the end, so let me just pray for us as we close, and uh, let's just consider this. Number one, are you content? If you're not, that can be learned. That can be learned. Paul can teach us that. God can teach us that from his word. Are we focused on the mission? Because really, contentment is rooted in the Great Commission. Trusting in God to strengthen us as we are about his business. That's the point. And, and, and if we're not, let's pray that God would redirect our thoughts and our desires to what he desires for us. All right, let's pray.